there, I'm Dax. I'm Adam. And this is Cinepraisal. Uh, we're recording a new episode, at long last. Yeah, uh, you know, at long last ran a little long, but here we are. <laughs> um, and uh, we're doing a, well, a distance episode, really. So A, a respectfully, socially distant episode. Um, Adam is a few miles away. Um, not, not a full world apart, but a few miles away. And, uh, and yeah, so if we sound like we're in different rooms, it's because we are. Um, but we are watching today a classic. What, uh, tell him, tell him, Adam. We are watching 1999's The Matrix. The Matrix by the Wachowskis. Uh, and well, Jesus Christ, this is, uh, I, I think I saw this film actually just last year in a theater. So it is still kind of fresh in my mind, but um, as, I uh, I actually uh, last year sat down and did like a whole watch through of the Matrix universe, which nice. is one of the things I want to get into while we're talking, like while we're watching this. But yeah, you know, all things in their time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm very curious to hear what your perspective is on a lot of this film. Um, so we're about to hit play, and we'll say when. All right, doing this '90s style. All right, three. <laughs> Two, one, play. All right, the green, the green uh, Warner Brothers logo Wah. is coming up. <laughs> All right, the 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 logo just faded out. So there's your there's your sync point. Um, yeah, I always love this opening with all of the uh, just. I'm surprised they let them do this, like modify all of the logos to this extent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it really does just say so much for the tone of what you're about to go through. And uh, and you might notice throughout this whole movie, I'm sure if you ever watched any of the behind the scenes, that most of the color grading tries to make stuff in the Matrix look like it's green. Yes, like, yes. Um, um, that's That's one thing I really have to give to the Wachowskis is they're all about tone like they they build a world and they fill it with tone yeah and i love this like you already are kind of set up with this wonder like um this lovely hook of like what am i'm looking at i'm just seeing a bunch of numbers i'm just seeing a bunch of characters and now i'm only hearing a voice you haven't really seen anything yet right and nothing they're saying means anything to you but going back and watching this later, it's all great. <laughs> this is so much fun. Let me see. And yeah, finally we see our first person. Um, I had the... this on VHS and I wore that tape out. <laughs> you know what's funny? I didn't really find... Um, I didn't see The Matrix when it first came out. I, I was one of the people later who was shown it later by friends on DVD. Um, and I... I was so sad, remiss, that I hadn't seen it in a theater, which really wasn't something that got rectified for me until just this last year, because I uh, went to a anniversary screening that they were doing over, I, th- I think it was at an AMC theater, but um, seeing it like in that setting really did kind of... I mean, this is like an, a really epic movie. It, it just like has so many action scenes in it, and it 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 deserves to be seen in a grand way if you can. Um, and we're watching it on on Netflix right now, but um, I do have the Blu-ray set. And when you're watching it like on you know a really big 
HDTV with like crystal clear picture. It it really does hold up quite well. I'm I'm just I really enjoy this dynamic between the cops and the agents because <laughs> the agents. <laughs> well, you know the cops the, the cops are people. Like they're they're, you know, human people that are in the matrix and the agents are programs and it's just like it's this interaction between like the program being like ah, just, just make me not have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and the introduction of this which is do people do this anymore or is it not done because they became kind of I mean of they a, wore it out. Yeah, that's It was in every movie. It was in yeah. every TV show. And it's probably obvious but um at this point Again, if you've ever seen any of the behind the scenes, but, you know, they set up a string of cameras going around the the, the whole scene and took pictures from each camera in seat, which is so crazy, actually, that <laughs> they would go to that extent. But it, nothing else looks like it. You know, it, yeah. it made this it, it probably was the most visually impactful thing. And what's, that came what's, out of this what's funny is like. And I'm going to tell myself a little bit. But when I was younger, I watched a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen like sitcom, and the opening title sequence had that effect. And it's just like that's how pervasive that became. Is like it went from being something in an extremely epic, over-the-top action movie to being parodied to such an intense degree that it was in the opening title sequence of a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen sitcom. <laughs> oh my god running along the roof and you know everything's been these pretty... poor cops they have no idea what they're doing <laughs> everything's been pretty normal up until this point and then you get to this this moment here ah <laughs> uh, that that just gave me chills like watching i ah uh, it's so good yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, also, Hugo, we. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so, what I was saying about like going back and watching the like the full Matrix uh, trilogy, and like uh, along with uh, the Animatrix, I recognize there's a lot of people who do not like the second and third movie, but I think that there's value in revisiting it because I believe that different franchises need to be approached in different ways, and it's like mm -hmm. the second and third movie do not stand on their own. Like, you're never just going to sit down and watch the second movie or just sit down and watch the third movie. Mm. But, like, if you were to actually sit down and, like, watch the Animatrix episodes in the right order, watch all the movies, and, like, do that in, like, a day, mm -hmm. it's actually a really fun, epic story. Just the problem is, no one's going to do that but us. <laughs> right. Um, I will say, like, my, my preference order off the bat is... Uh, I actually love the Animatrix the most out of all of them. Um, big surprise, since I'm an anima animation person. But, right. Um, I would probably put this at number two, the first one. I, I do have like one strange issue with this movie um, that I feel like is addressed in in Reloaded. Um, and then I actually like Reloaded more than most people do. I think I really enjoy a lot of things about that movie. Um, I just think it was very creative and had a, a ton of ambition. And then I, I feel like um, 
Revolutions is the one that for me kind of drops the ball and doesn't quite hit the landing, but I still think there's interesting stuff in Revolutions. Um, but I would have preferred a different ending. Um, and well, I think so. That... Continuing off your thought. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, if anybody's interested, I, like, we can go ahead and link. I wrote up my own watch order for, like, if you were to do, do all of that. Uh, like which animatrix films you should watch when and in what order with the rest of the, like with the movies. And so right before this, I would actually recommend there's two, the first, which the first of which I have a hard time remembering the name, but it's the one where it's like kids in a haunted house in Japan. Mm -hmm. Like a girl's looking for a cat. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I and think that's, that, is that beyond? No, that uh, um... I think it is. I think it is actually, you is know, it? I, I have the, I have it on my phone. Uh, I think it's beyond. But, like, I would actually recommend watching that first because it's so, if you don't already know what The Matrix is, it's such, like, a weird, like, there's a glitch in reality. What yeah. is this? Like, it's a fun little appetizer. And then I would follow that immediately with Detective Story mm. because yeah. that creates, yeah, so that one, the first Quick. one's Beyond. And then I would follow it with a Detective Story because that creates the idea that, like, there's people out there who are, like... You know, you've got the detective who go, he's looking for Trinity and yeah. everybody else who's looked after like gone to look for Trinity, either killed themselves or went insane because right. of what they found out about the world not being real. But you don't know what that secret is. You just know that something she told them affected them that deeply. Mm. And so like you go from the, I'd say those two shorts and then you watch this movie because then it like strings everything together. Right. Um, I th a quick thing about those two. Um, Beyond is actually my favorite. Um, that doesn't surprise short, me in the slightest. Um, because I just love the idea of someone in a haunted house, um, content to be in the Matrix and sort of not knowing what it is, but enjoying these strange anomalies that are happening. Um, also, it has a cat. Uh, the other one, <laughs> Detective Story, and I want to say Beyond was done by Studio 4C, um, and they uh, they're a very prevalent animation studio in japan um i'm trying to think of like a good one that i would say that they've done oh it's funny i just pulled up they've done they did a kid icarus uprising short i never knew that um, uh real quick i i love there's just a crap ton of easter eggs here that actually feed into uh the later movies and it's like little things that's just like really come on but like just now you know the guy made the comedy he's like you're my savior you're my own personal jesus christ it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> There's gonna be heavy Christ imagery later on, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just I wanted to say about uh, Studio Four C is that um, that studio would go on to do the film Tech on Kingcrete, um, which I always thought when I saw that I was like, this looks a lot like the Animatrix, and then uh, surprise, surprise, it's because the same studio that made that film. Um, and uh, the other one, uh, Detective Story, was done by. Um, uh, I'm going to bring up the was done by uh, Shinichiro Watanabe, who was the director for Cowboy Bebop. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, Shin I I said his name wrong. Shinichiro Watanabe, um, and he uh, he also I, I figured think, that I wouldn't be the one to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> he he um, also directed I think one of the um, 
uh, what's what's the <laughs> Blade Runner 2049 did a couple animated shorts, right? Uh, they did one animated short and two live action shorts. Okay, but yeah, yeah, the one you're talking about about the blackout was great. And they're actually spinning that off into a TV series called Black Lotus. Nice. And I'm, I'm just going to like verify, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did that one. He did. Uh, it's 2017, right? Or no. Oh, I'm sorry. It was done in 2017. It was Blade Runner Blackout 2022. Yes. Is the full title. Um, so anyway, he's one of uh, He also did Samurai Champloo, and uh, that's just one of my favorite shorts. Um, so it's funny that you brought up those two as the first ones, because those are my two favorite <laughs> shorts out of the Animatrix. Um, and I guess you wouldn't watch um, the second Renaissance. No, no, you can't. You can't. Like, that's where I would take you immediately after this. Yeah. It's like you need... Like, those first two just kind of tease the idea of what The Matrix is. This movie confirms what The Matrix is, and then you can start building the world from there by going into the Second Renaissance, because they mention, you know, they explain it here to a degree, but then you can go into the Second Renaissance and get like, yes, this is what happened. This is how we got here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's the way to go. Um, So, yeah, we have uh, Neo is in the club with Trinity, and... He's kind of, I mean, there's sort of like a couple refusals of the call here. Um, It's funny because I took a story class at Santa Monica College once, and that was one of the first classes I had with my then teacher, but eventual boss uh, slash director for a film I was working on. Jim Keeshan taught a class there, and he used The Matrix uh, in his storytelling class because it's such a good... Um, template of the sort of Campbellian story myth that's used in so many different movies and and books and yada yada. I mean, technically, I feel like it's used in every story and book, but... That's true. I think there are some that push against it, but this one very, like, has most of the archetypes and follows it pretty closely, if you look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a Star Wars level, like, literal interpretation of the hero's journey. Exactly. Um, But I think, like it's it's fun how long the refusal of the call is drawn out for neo like he he has so many moments where he's like i don't know i don't want to go to this club but his curiosity keeps pulling him and i think it says something interesting about um humans in a way that we you know we are just curious and and even though maybe we feel comfortable in a situation we're in there's always this kind of want to know more about about um or just feel like there is more somehow, and we have to kind of go after it. And just this whole opening with him in a cubicle, and uh, it's just so it's so boring. He's, he just well, clearly hates this, you know, and doesn't want to be here. But but at the same time, it's it's so it's so normal to the point where it's like you understand that who Neo is is you know that hacker. Like this is John Anderson. Neo right. is his, like, who he actually is. I'd say this is, like, his his secret identity, the reversal. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me at all that hackers would be the ones who would discover the Matrix, who would discover that they're in a program, mm. because they're the ones who, like, their brains are already built to think in that way. And so, like, it's just it's just funny to me that, like, the world gets saved by a bunch of middle management people, more or less. <laughs> um. Oh my god. I remember I I shouldn't remember just the Dave Chappelle skit for this, but I always do. Would you ever see 
Do you know the one I'm talking about? No. No, it's just they they redo this whole scene, but um, but essentially Neo just ends up in a he, he like turns a corner into a cubicle where Dave Chappelle is just pranking him on the phone, and he's just <laughs> it was me, Dan from accounting or something. It was like, I forget what he says, but it's uh, it's a stu- well, see that would have been a good thing to bring up, but I'm the only one who's seen it, and now I just I look the fool. Um, it's cool. It happens to us all the time. <laughs> No, but I really do love this scene. Um, and uh, and is this Hugo? Yeah, Hugo Weaving. I there's, think something, I... there's something entertaining to me about, like, the you don't know what's happening, but you're being guided by somebody on the phone scene concept. It's, it's the same thing that we have in Jurassic Park, where uh, when Ellie goes to turn the power back on. Like, there's something fun to me about that, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> he looks so silly here when he's yeah. doing all this. yeah. And I love the guy at the coffee machine agrees with us. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you? And again, that office is so green looking and sickly feeling. And, and it, you know, it not only makes you later realize that this is the Matrix, but it, it does just it's just not a color that you want to live in. And you can understand why he f- feels oppressed being here. Well, um, yeah. And like like you said, they made a point of color grading everything to be more green and you know it's to the point where when he's out of the matrix when he's in the real world everything has a much uh much cleaner look to it Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was another thing that bothered people about the later movies is it looked so different because they leaned very hard into separating the look of these of the real world versus the matrix Mm. it's like people were already okay with this aesthetic but because they wanted to like express that idea further, it changed the look of the movie. Hmm. I have to. I'd have to look out for that because it's been a while since I've seen him. So, but I'm going to keep an eye out for that the next time I see those. Um, is it? Is it just that it's even more green? Or just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's okay. one of the things people were complaining about. Is like it was. Yeah, it's like this movie's green. That movie's very green. <laughs> Here it's more of a subtlety, and it's right. a thing that well, and it plays into the idea that the Matrix is like almost correct. It's almost real, but there's just something that's off and some people notice it and others are content to not notice it. Which, I mean, you could even bring that into like a story point where you say like, all right, well, it looks that different because now that Neo's been spending this much time out of it, when he goes back into it, it's so obvious. And he's he's our character. He's the one that we're supposed to be following. Like, it's so green. It's so obvious because he's been out of it for so long. So much of this, I, that's the thing this movie really has going for it, is just how visually iconic it is. Like, mm-hmm. all these scenes just play out so... Um, and, the and, the fa- wait, like, and the fact that we know that that shot was in the architect's room. Like... You're right! Yeah, the architect was watching this whole thing. I never put that together. That's the shit I'm talking about. I I feel like people need to go revisit the second and third because like for one thing, I was saying this the other day, like I believe, you know, there's, you know how people have nostalgia goggles for a movie where it's like, you'll watch a bad movie just because you know you loved it when you were a kid. I believe there's such a thing as disappointment (laughs) goggles (laughs) where it's just like when you went to go see that movie it was not what you expected it to be. And you had built your hopes up so much 
that like for the rest of your life you will think that movie is a piece of shit and you will never revisit it even if you do revisit it all you're going to remember is how disappointed you were <laughs> and so like honestly i think it's because uh again like it was my deep dive on star wars uh like watching clone wars and stuff like that where i realized mm. like oh this is what he was trying to do this is the story he was trying to tell that recontextualizes the prequels that recontextualizes the whole thing now i get it and that's what i'm saying like if you can detach yourself just enough and actually like let yourself be in this world and play in this world mm-hmm. the whole series is phenomenal like you just have to like get over your own personal feelings about the about the movies in advance about like oh yeah i love the matrix like yeah great but just view it as a piece view it as a piece of a whole yeah um oh my god it i i i can see that i think that you can watch the first one on its own oh yeah and, no, and not, be done I'm not 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 disagreeing with that at all like you can just watch this movie which is my point about the second and third you can't just sit down and watch the second or just sit down and watch the third. Like, yeah, this movie they... is a perfect capsule, but if you want to know more, if you, like, you have questions about this world, the answers are there. It's kind of like Back to the Future 2 and 3 as well. I feel a bit like that with those movies where... I'd agree. It, it's the same structure. You can watch the first one and be done, um, but it is hard to watch just two or just three. I feel like you kind of need to watch both of them together um i actually really love three i i love it being a western and i i know some people don't um and so it's funny because i know that like usually the order people as like one is the best and then two second best and third is the word but i i i think one is the best and i think three is the second best and the second one i think has some um issues because it's almost like two films because you have the whole future segment and then you have where they're going over the first film again <laughs> which is yeah which which was such <laughs> is such an inventive concept at the time right it was just like for them to be walking around in the background of the first movie like that's it's, awesome it's so fun um but it does feel almost like two films God, this is still creepy. Like him, his mouth just. Yeah. At the fact that, you know, they're basically just rewriting his code right now. <laughs> like, what would you what do you even do? Um, and also, it's fun because this is one of those films that can kind of get away with. Because um, I don't think any weird effects happen outside of the Matrix. Right. I think most of the special effects are all within it. Um, yes. Yes. So even if you think. Maybe the CG looks somewhat dated for when it was made. To me, that kind of plays into it. And it's like, well, yeah, it's inside of a computer. So I, I'm not too bothered by that, you know? That's, that's I, fair. I, I think that's my that's my justification. This still this still just creeps yeah, me this out. Is, oh. Ah, 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 no. No. Ah, no. Stop it. Stop it. No. Stop it. Stop. Oh. <laughs> And just that, that like cut. <laughs> Gross. Uh, and yeah, we still don't know what the Matrix is. Right. And that's that's what's cool. Is like which again, really... even if you even if you had sat down and watched Beyond and Detective Story before this, it still wouldn't have spoiled you on what the Matrix is. It would only have just wet your appetite for like, there's something wrong with this world. And Neo, like when we finally meet Neo, it's like he's a guy who's going to find out what is wrong. Right. It's like there's something wrong. 
we know these like loose concepts, but this is the guy who's going to figure it out. And that actually, now I think about it even more, detective story would work as a preamble to this because of the fact that it's like someone that she's trying to get out of the matrix, but doesn't really succeed in doing that with. Right. And the fact that like, again, everybody that he talks to before who had also looked for her either killed themselves or went insane. And like, again, those are the people that she tried with before. So it's like we see again and again, they try to get people out. They either like kill themselves, go insane or end up dying because the, the agents, this is like, this is the guy that they get out. And he just so happens to be like the savior of the world. It'd be so fun to do the animatrix. Like maybe we should do like a whole just um, just like hit play all and just go go through all of the shorts. Um, there's uh, so much world building in those shorts alone that I, th- I I agree with what you're saying. I think it does make it a more complete picture. So see. the character switch mm-hmm. in the original uh, original script switch. Uh, was supposed to be a woman in the Matrix and a man in the real world. And the studio vetoed it. Oh. Yeah. That I think I remember hearing that at some point. Which is one um, of those things that, like, n- knowing the, it, the Wachowskis yeah. in 2020, <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, that, that tracks. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> and, of course, the name being an obvious choice for why that exactly. would be. Exactly. Um, that's really interesting. See, he like, he keeps, he, he keeps kind of wanting to, to not do it, but. I also love that Switch called him Coppertop. (laughs) Which like, again, what the hell is she talking about? But if you're watching this later, you're like, ah, she called him a battery. (laughs) Oh my! Cigarette lighter powered bug extractor. <laughs> yeah, is there enough actual um, electric? I mean, I assume it's one of those things where it, <laughs> it 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 it's coded in a way that that is enough power. But it seems well, like it'd require just a smidge more. Yeah, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure Tank is like at the he's at the at the controls like he's you know fucking augmenting the code to make sure that this car has enough power to run this. <laughs> shit that thing was real <laughs> and the way it squirms around in it is so like and i always thought this was cool how it turns normal it turns here. back into a yeah and uh, was the red eye sort of motif for the robots because even the sentinels have red eyes right yeah yeah i wonder if that all goes back to 2001 do you think like, it wouldn't is, surprise me. <laughs> it's just Hal uh, just kind of made it so that that's automatically what we uh, what we think of. Um, but yeah, I get that vibe from robots that just have the red eyes. It's something ominous and creepy. I, w- I do. I wish I could kind of watch this movie again without knowing where it's going. That would be a fun experience. Yeah. Morpheus. <laughs> it's hard it's, to talk when he's on screen. You just want to. Yeah, 
No, it's very interesting because, like, in the past, uh, like, couple years, I've been getting really into cyberpunk fiction. Right. And, like, this is a movie that always comes up as being, you know, cyberpunk. It's not, like, a, it's not the most archetypal example. It's really interesting because it's, like, the cyberpunk is inside the Matrix. The people that are outside of it, like, they're just, like, people with machines trying to make their life from day to day. But inside the Matrix is, like, your traditional kind of, like, 80s neon cyberpunk world. <laughs> That's, like, you know, hackers are fucking superstars. Yeah, it doesn't push too far on the envelope of um, of something like, what's the game that's coming out? Uh, cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077. And which has whom in it? Oh, Keanu Reeves. Yep. <laughs> but, but, like, my point is, like, if you were to read, like, a William Gibson novel, there are scenes in Count Zero that are very similar to this. Uh-huh. And the William Gibson novels were a huge influence on, uh, specifically the Sprawl trilogy, were a big influence on this franchise. But the scenes that I'm describing are scenes in The Matrix like this. Like, you know, mm. him, like the main character who's a hacker meeting these shadowy people in a dis- like decrepit mansion. And they're all like wearing, you know, over the top cyberpunk clothing. <laughs> That's true. The clothing very much does fall in line. In uh, fact, the cyberspace in the Sprawl trilogy is called the Matrix. Oh. Yeah. Like, people jack into the Matrix and, like, they, you know, can do basically anything when in was, cyberspace. Wait, when was it written? Uh, in the early 80s. <laughs> um, was that one? Because I know this movie does get accused of having lifted many things from many places. Um, is that one of the sources that people often oh, yeah. say? What, like it, even funnier to me, though, is that uh, the main computer on uh, Gallifrey in classic Doctor Who in a fourth Doctor adventure is called The Matrix, and he jacks into The Matrix. <laughs> well, back, in, I mean, back in the fucking like, <laughs> late 70s, early 80s. That's so funny. So I feel like when they were doing it, it must have been a feeling of like, this is homage, you know, to all these things that would, that we love. And then, but now because of the legacy that it's left, it sort of seems more like they took it in a way. Right. Like, (laughs) it's because it was so successful that people deconstructed it so much to find all of the pieces and where they came from. And there's a fair amount of ghost in the shell in this as well. Um, Oh Yeah. I mean, we can just fucking go back to Plato's cave if you like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like we can, if we really, if we really want. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. It's the scene that inspired a thousand incels. <laughs> My favorite oh, part God. of that, though, is that the red pill was a reference to the widely available estrogen pills that were available in 1999. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> So the idea of, like, taking the red pill and seeing through the bullshit and seeing reality was the, like, mental shift that a trans person would be on getting away from testosterone and using estrogen. Yeah, I also like... like the that's co- what that's supposed to be about. And, like, to see these incel motherfuckers... I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I like <sighs> the idea that... Um, also, quick aside, in one of the video games, that scene plays out. And you can choose the blue pill, and you'll just get a game over. I I think, 
Uh, <laughs> I would imagine that would probably be Path of Neo. Uh, yeah. I never played that one, but I heard it was good. Yeah, I, I, I just love that, 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 like, you have that option. You're like... <laughs> I can I can just game over right now. Um, but I want to say that I always thought it was interesting that essentially the good pill for him to take is the red one and the bad one is the blue one. And it, it kind of is almost like this one last test of, of like, here, I'm presenting these and they are kind of color-coded in a way that, you know, you're not immediately inclined to grab the red one necessarily. That That does feel more like the, like, like you're taking hmm. a chance. Yeah, like you're taking a chance, taking the red one. So I like that even there, it's like, you know, if you really want to. Oh, yeah. Here's he, your he warning. He so many opportunities to say no and doesn't. <laughs> and that's what, you know, that that I think is partly why you're so invested in it is because of that fact. And he doesn't feel... Um, because maybe you would feel he was a little betrayed if he wasn't given those opportunities. Um, is this ever fully explained, this sequence that happens here? I always feel like this is the most poetic license kind of thing that happens. Where, is it his perspective he's seeing the mirror do this? Yeah. So my understanding of this is basically like, he's taken the pill. It's part of a tracing program so that they can find his body when the machine kicks him out. But it's also kind of like detaching him from the matrix and so it's glitching around him right i always wondered if they could see this what he's seeing right now and if maybe it's just him if he it, like he's just looking at his hand like he's high and i mean i think either <laughs> either would probably work it wouldn't surprise me if like he because it's glitching around him like they're all seeing it mm. it's literally the program itself kind of like failing around him Ah, just this of the chrome going around and into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And it's choosing something that's easier to do. Chrome was easier thing to do with CG then. Ah, oh, this is so neat. Which is something you would have seen in what, like T2? Uh, used a lot of chrome. Well, because it was an easy... It, it the, One of the difficulties with CG for a long time was achieving, like, human sort of skin um, because uh, any kind of uh, skin surface requires subsurface scattering, which is basically light particles kind of scattering beneath the surface of your skin. That's very hard to program. So it's easier to do a solid surface. Um, but that's why in a lot of early CG, you see things like that. Like it was easier to, to make something that looked convincing or like you would have to cover it with something like rain in Jurassic Park or whatever. Right. This, this shot here is, so, you know, you are beyond the looking glass. I guess that was the reference they were also making there because there is the whole Alice thing of him following the rabbit who's Trinity um well yeah, yeah I, I i figured that was obvious i was i was talking more about the uh like mechanically what's happening but yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. You're, you're right that absolutely is an alice in wonderland thing yeah um i, I couldn't i i can't remember if i noticed that before or not but it i'm just seems... really enjoying <laughs> this like can you imagine i mean this even even goes back to like you know with the watch order thing you you still like you have no idea that this is what's on the other side 
when you watch Beyond. Like, all you know is, like, there's a, like, the reality's glitching. What does that mean? I don't know. At no point do you think, oh, yeah, we're all floating in gel pods and, like, being tended to by robots because we're fucking batteries. Like, that <laughs> idea doesn't enter your brain. Oh like, that's the God. thing. You have to go into... You have to go into each of these parts as if you don't already know it, and then take it in the right order. Wasn't it originally that they weren't batteries, but that they were using, like, the processing power of people's brains to create, like, an advanced CPU system? It was something more, I want to say, kind of convoluted. Um, and then they felt like it wouldn't be as easy for people to understand. So I don't know. I mean, that, that would be cool. And it was, yeah, you're probably right. I think they, I think that was going to be it, which I think nowadays you could do that. I think you could make something like that and people would get it, but maybe computers weren't as embedded into our lives as much at that point. Um, we probably say, I said, back in my day, computers were still being <laughs> introduced, but well, it's true. And we can remember that. You know? That's another point that I make about, uh, the second one is I remember when that one came out, everybody complained about the architect, like not being able to understand what he was talking about. And I feel like now we've all become like savvy enough with computers that we can understand what he was saying. It's just in, what was that? 2002? Like, none of us knew what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of... A lot of, lot of body invasion in this movie. It's like... Yes. All the plugs. Just all these needles sticking out of him. Acupuncture. I think I did acupuncture once. Felt very strange. The answers are coming to you and the audience. <laughs> but I wonder who hasn't. What did it? What I I do. I am curious, like what thoughts go through your head seeing this movie nowadays, especially if you're like a young person who never did. Um, what your thoughts and takes on it would be? Because it it does feel kind of like a product of when it was made, but at the same time, there's so like kind of a timelessness about what it's saying and the idea behind it. And that, that's that's yeah a lot of my a lot of my thought process because I've been going back and trying to rewatch uh, like I was saying with disappointment goggles like going back and trying to rewatch things and just detach my memory of it coming out detach like, as much as I can and just watch this thing and its timelessness like there's so many movies that are you know pretty timeless just go for the ride just disconnect and go for the ride i'm not mm. saying don't think about it i'm just saying like just i don't know get over your shit <laughs> <laughs> really good sound design too you know like all, all parts of this film working together beautifully Oh shit. And yeah. And I love that that detail that you know, he believes it's 1999, which is when this came out. So it throws that question to you 
as an audience watching it back then, like, am I in the Matrix? <laughs> it's I, that's how I always kind of took that as this sort of little feeling of it's th- it's trying to throw doubt into your mind about the very world you're in and you so, can't prove it isn't true that's the funny thing about it <laughs> so what i enjoy from that conversation is um when he said like you know it's closer to 2199 we can't tell you exactly what year it is because we don't know what i love about that is that again going back to that conversation with the architect the architect's like no this has been going on for a lot longer than a thousand years like this has been going on for a very long time and the concept of the one is just something that they put into the system as a way of like uh population control so every once in a while a one comes up gives people hope leads the revolution builds up zion and then the machines destroy zion they take that one let him choose the next batch of people and they start again and like that's just how it works is like it's all just a manner of population control just the machines when they were came up with that concept of the one didn't expect there to actually be one at some point which makes him the one the one yeah he's the actual one he's the one not the one <laughs> it's a very subtle difference there <laughs> This is this is so cool too. I would have loved to stand like stood in that room, however it looked. I'm I wonder how they did it. Do you think it was just green screen and they just like removed it and made everything white? Or do you think they actually somehow I'd like to think they somehow made this environment just pure white <laughs> and just somehow color balanced it. Yeah, I feel like it's probably it's probably a large 180 space. Because you can't see... The thing is, you can't see any, like, corners or edges to the room. It's just very... Oh, yeah. Like, well, blank. like, the, the room would be rounded. I've been I've been in rooms like this where it's rounded uh, just to a lot for, like, making there not be any corners. But um, if you notice... Like, you never see anything to the left of Morpheus. And I feel right. like that's where the room ends. Like, there's nothing to the left of Morpheus, nothing to the right of Neo. Like, there's a 180 plane, and we're on the other side of it. The Matrix. still like a little green but i i and even that's an interesting detail like this program which is theirs is a little green but it's not quite as green as the real matrix right yeah which is just enough of a hint to let you know you're not in reality but also that this is a safer uh digital space morpheus is just such a cool character like he <laughs> oh he's a great character he has terrible bedside manner yeah <laughs> you know elon musk loves this movie really oh yeah <laughs> oh he's one of the people who like credibly believes that we uh we're 
existing in a simulation. That this is like a shadow test situation. And he's also a very <laughs> large advocate against artificial intelligence. Well. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that he loves this movie. It could be one of those things where it's like, it has all the things that he likes, so you would recommend it to him. He'd watch it and be like, that movie's terrible. I don't, I'm not someone who falls like huge on the Elon Musk hate train, but I, I don't really like the guy that much. Like every time I find out stuff about him, I'm kind of like, eh. Oh, I don't hate the man at all. Like, I don't know him well enough to hate him, but like, he's a very interesting human. (laughs) (laughs) There are fields near. Well, fields of artificial wombs. This, I always, okay. This, I don't know if this is ever addressed in any ancillary media, but uh, something that I always thought about and maybe kind of always bothered me was the idea of like, okay, well, okay, when two people in the Matrix meet each other and have sex and then have a kid that looks similar to the both of them, how is that handled externally? Is uh, DNA... I, I imagine doesn't even doesn't even enter the equation. Uh, like you have your kids in the matrix, but the machines are just harvesting your fluids and combining them to make more young. It doesn't necessarily mean that those are the same kids you have in the matrix. Like we are just resources to them. Into this product placement. <laughs> I always wondered where, uh, did they get in an endorsement from Duracell for that one shot? <laughs> But they also weirdly didn't show the door. So yeah, I, just, I was just thinking about that. You don't see the it's, name it's on it. It's just the immediately recognizable <laughs> copper top battery. <laughs> so maybe not. And maybe that's why they didn't show it. Yeah, I feel like that would slightly ruin the moment if you could read Duracell. The, <laughs> there, there actually, though, is a, this is my first favorite product placement for Duracell battery. My second favorite product placement for a Duracell battery is in the game Pikmin 2. <laughs> I like how I timed that with right when he threw up. Uh, it's with Pikmin 2 where you're finding items because you're like a really tiny uh, person like trying to use these creatures to carry stuff. And one of the items you can find is a very nice looking realistic Duracell battery. <laughs> and it always made me laugh. <laughs> it's one of the weird pieces of product placement in that game. Um We have a rule. He was too young. Too young for the training. <laughs> That's my terrible... Mm. Too young for also, the training. no. In there Yoda's case, he was he was saying that Anakin was too old for the training. Or he's too, he's too old. That was right. Um, I was screwing which, up the quote oh, and my he, Frank Oz accent. Which, like... <laughs> Yeah, that's a much darker thought than I ever realized initially. The reason why Anakin was too old was because he had spent too much time with his mother and therefore would be too attached to her. Like, the Jedi took kids when they were basically so young that they they never knew their family before the Jedi. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The Jedi are dark. After he died... The Oracle prophesied his return 
one of the nice things here is that the captions show up. So <laughs> that we were watching it, so I could just oh, read along to on? the whole film. I have captions on, so I can re- I can just start dubbing over this whole film if I want to. Looking for him. Stop that. I did what I did because. Ooh, I can put on Spanish subtitles. I believe that search is over. You paused it. <laughs> it paused very briefly. <laughs> and now the sink. Dear Lord, what will people do? You're going to need it. <laughs> they could basically sink with us reading the lines. Yeah. <laughs> You're training. And yeah, it's interesting because even though the color grading is different here, it's not exactly better. <laughs> it's like, it's clearer, but now you see, now you see all the rough edges of how this world is on the outside. Well, yeah, I mean, everything's got a blue tone here as opposed to the green of the Matrix. Old-fashioned homegrown human. Anyway, I'm going to stop reading. <laughs> that bit is over. I also think... Yeah, I, and like the fact that they name-check Zion, they mention this city existing. When I heard they were making an, uh, another one of these, I remember I was excited about seeing Zion. Yeah, same, same. Excuse me. Because I, I do remember the hype when Reloaded came out. I think I was in high school. And that was part of the problem. There was just too much hype. Yeah, it really did kind of give people absurd expectations for that movie. But I knew people another, who liked thing it more. I would say I I feel like this this franchise suffered from the fact that it came out like right before the prime age of uh serial like heavily serialized television. Mm-hmm. Like it was before Lost. I feel like Lost just generally changed the way that we watched things as a culture. And especially now that we have things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where it's like you expect to be taking in this story in pieces. Like, I feel like if you bring that same mentality to this, you can enjoy the whole thing. And... (laughs) (laughs) I think Keanu Reeves is uh, marvelously casted for this role. It was supposed to be Will Smith. That's so funny. I don't think it would have worked. I, I I mean, it maybe it would have, but I think Will Smith is too charming. It would have been a different movie. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. But I think it would have, it still would have been very good. Like it would have yes. worked in its own way. It would have been successful for sure. Um, it, But think, I almost think of like the famous line, just, but uh, I think, um, I almost feel like, look at Will Smith's character in Men in Black, how he's someone who, you know, that's a movie where he starts out as someone who has the truth revealed to him of what's really going on. So I think you could maybe draw like a similar idea of what he would have been as Neo by looking at him. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because like. This movie would pull more on, like, the 
Six Degrees of Separation Will Smith, not so much on like what I would <clears> consider <throat> like the Men in Black, Fresh Prince of and Bel Air, Will not Smith. Not so much on the NYPD, knock your punk ass down kind of right. Kinda attitude. No, <laughs> like if you've ever seen Six Degrees of Separation or uh, Pursuit of Happiness or Concussion, like mm. when he's when he's like really bringing it as a serious actor, I think that would work for this world. It'd be curious. It'd be curious to see what the alternate timeline is, um, where we got the Will Smith Matrix, along see, with the. This uh, is why we need Rick and Morty style portal portal guns. <laughs> along with the Colin Trevorrow episode nine. Ah, uh, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to think those are in the same timeline. <laughs> this this scene is still just great. And this scene is very much the inspiration, I feel like, for what happens in Final Flight of the Osiris. Oh, of course. Which is not what I would immediately follow this with. Right. Oh, yeah. So what would you put after The Matrix? What would be the next Animatrix short? So I, I actually sent you the list so you, you oh, could uh, put it in the in the details for this. But yeah, so my order is Beyond, Detective Story, The Matrix. And then I would go with Second Renaissance Parts 1 and 2. And then uh, matriculated, I see world record, and program, like those aren't really like they're not part of the overarching narrative, but they take place in this world, and they just give you a little bit more flavor of what's happening in this world where humans are trapped inside of a program. Like you've got people in the real world, mm. you've got people trapped in a program, and this is like. These are all like slice of lives in that world that aren't necessarily following the main characters. Um, and then I like I that would... you said I got hung up on you saying slice of lives, but that is grammatically correct. <laughs> but for some reason, I wanted it to be slice of lives. But <laughs> anyway, I just never thought of saying it that way. But if you're going to pluralize it, yes, that makes sense. Anyway, continue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then I would bring it back to. You'd watch Kid's Story, Final Flight of the Osiris, and then watch uh, Reloaded and Revolutions. Because, like, that, you know, after program, you get to Kid's Story and Final Flight. That brings you back into the world of the main characters and sets up, like, what's about to start happening. I vaguely, for the same reason that you put Second Renaissance after The Matrix, I almost want to put Kid's Story after Reloaded. Because I kind of like the idea of you then, because there's something kind of fun about like meeting the kid in the second movie and then watching the Animatrix and being like, oh, I oh, get that. The, that's the same kid. I get that idea. However, I feel like Reloaded and Revolutions need to be watched immediately back to back. Like, mm. there cannot be daylight between those two because <laughs> it's one giant movie. Which is, again, one of the biggest issues with the franchise that people complained about is, like, we went and saw half of a movie and then had to wait, like, six months for the other half. That's true. <laughs> I just noticed that shot where there was, like, his fist, his right fist was, like, dupe clone stamped. Oh, like, yeah, when it was blurring because he was going so fast. Yeah. <laughs> But see, to me, even though I can, like, see the edges of some of the effects, I it, to me, it's charming. I think it's kind of fun. And you do have to bear in mind just how revolutionary a lot of this stuff was. This is so cool, too. 
the world loading underneath them. And this is a lot of setup too. Like you, you really, I mean, there's a reason this movie is over two hours. Um, and just the fact that it has a need to tell you so much about this world, but it does it in a way that to me never becomes tiresome. <laughs> oh no, because like everything it's showing you is so visually interesting that you're like, okay, yes, please show me more. But it's kind of, it's almost like the tutorial for a video game for you to then enjoy everything that follows after. Mm -hmm. Because, <laughs> like, basically once they're done with all his training sequences is when they take him to the Oracle, and that's when the whole movie pops off. Yeah. Yeah, we are still in the setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is pure, like, early second act. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that effect, but it, it works. <laughs> it, it works enough. It's it's probably the single silliest shot in the entire movie. <laughs> Everybody falls. Yeah, and they're all like, huh, what do we... I don't know. It's It's interesting. Again, this is one of those things of like trying to watch it like you haven't seen it before. Like they're all sitting around like, what does that mean? What What does that mean? doesn't mean anything <laughs> if you die in the game you die in real life <laughs> i i like i still slightly question the logic of that <laughs> just just a smidge i get why it's there because if you didn't have that there'd be no stakes but it is a funny thought that, like... Ooh, so if you hit... me, I have steaks in the fridge. <laughs> Not those kind. Um, but it's like, yeah, if you get hit in the mouth, how does your mouth manifest a physical cut, you know, from having been mentally hit in the mouth? Uh, it's kind of silly, but it's one of those things you just have to sort of accept. I wonder if he's bad. Oh, Joey Pants. <laughs> Was he in uh, Baby's Day Out? Probably. Which, like, I wanna, I wanna okay, so Trinity's, in Trinity's arc I find really interesting because the Oracle told her that she was going to fall in love with the one. Mm -hmm. So she's like, he's the one, I guess, so let me be nice and bring him dinner and kind of take care of him like she's still not sure how she feels about him mm -hmm. but she's like unsure how to proceed knowing that her destiny is that she's supposed to fall in love with quote-unquote the one dude 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 oh um uh mouse she's in the... star wars episode two. Oh, really yeah or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? The lady in red is dancing. Oh, okay. She's anyway. actually in the Matrix 2. She's in the nightclub that they, they chase uh, Zamwazel into. Oh, oh, really quick. You can see twins here because they specifically hired a bunch of twins. Yeah, in the foreground. To, to imply that um, uh, Mouse or 
who 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 wrote the code for this? Yeah, mouse. Yeah, that mouse was lazy and copy pasted the code. Started duplicating people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a fun detail. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to catch that while it was frozen. <laughs> that is fun. Now, um, when they chase Zamuzel into that nightclub, like Anakin's walking through, and the la- the woman in red is there, and she checks him out as he walks by. <laughs> That's so great. And then the guy that plays Mouse is the guy who tries to sell Obi-Wan death sticks. <laughs> you want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. That, that, that is still a genuinely funny moment from the oh, prequels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking, it's funny if you're typecast. You're, you're typecast as someone who walks by <laughs> in <laughs> movies. Like that's, that's, that's what we see when we see you. You're the, you're the pretty person who walks by him. <laughs> <laughs> lead character. <laughs> I love that you can see him in the in. Well, you, you, yeah, here. you can see the agent's gun pointed in his face the whole time. That like Morpheus is talking about how agents are unbeatable, but you'll you will beat them. Let's do clever stuff like that. The gun and the gun is pointed still at Neo mm-hmm. in in the glasses. Yeah, there's clever ways you can that's what that's what I think like when you think about something even as simple as shot reverse shot. It's just two characters back and forth. You can still keep both characters in the shot in clever ways with like mirrors and glasses and Oh yeah. And like, and, and, uh Orson Welles was doing that shit in Citizen Kane. And it still took decades for people to catch on. Ah. Orson or Welles, you, or, tragic or, case. Or do you ceilings? Frozen peas. Get me a jewelry that can say in July. Ah, oh, down French. Oh, okay. One of my favorite like lead-ups to um, Avengers Infinity War mm-hmm. is that people kept like you know, back when people were like asking again and again, when are we going to see a trailer? When are we going to see a trailer? And uh, I think it was Joe Russo mm-hmm. tweeted out the commercial for Palmason Wines with Orson Welles because <laughs> Palmason Wines' motto was, we will serve no wine before it's time. Okay. And it was one of those like, really? <laughs> that's how you're going to say that. I, I appreciated that so deeply. <laughs> it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut response. It's true, though. It's not ready, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh. There's such cool designs. Come the squidlies. Actually, I should send you a, a picture. I have the... Uh, like the figure they made of this, like the big one. Oh, nice. Also, just you know, smart of them putting putting them in the dark. That way, it hides it a little more. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like the old school, um, like model making special effects artists. The uh, the mantra was keep it distant, keep it dark. Yeah, and it works too because it makes them creepy and it makes them more realistic. Yeah. Also, I love the detail that he's basically setting up here how to put himself in the Matrix. Apparently, that's what he's doing in this scene. He's like trying to trying to make it so he can do it himself. Right. 
Is it katakana? I always forget. I think it's random katakana that's thrown in there. It's yet another nod to sort of Eastern influences in the story, which is so funny to me that like they obviously had a bunch of Eastern influence and anime influence and in how this turned out and then turned it around with the Animatrix and had a bunch of anime studios <laughs> make stories. It's just sort of a nice synthesis there. Yeah. Now, I guess the question I would pose that I would pose about uh, about this character here, Cypher, um, is he right? Or is he wrong? Is ignorance bliss? Yeah. Is, is it, you know, because that's what I think is interesting about him as like mustache twirling, because literally he has a mustache, is mustache twirling as he really is. Um, he still has a point. Well, and it's not even like it's that abstract a point because you you know that it was one of the first things that he that Neo thought when all this started. Like yeah. I imagine that he's probably been out of the Matrix for like just going by hair growth. It's probably been like at least three four weeks now, and I have to imagine that like yeah he's been thinking about it repeatedly. I should have just taken that fucking blue pill. Why didn't I get out of the car when she told me to get out of the car? Yeah, he was in Baby's Day Out as Norbert. <laughs> but he's also Captain Conrad Howard in Bad Boys. Yes, he is. Which um should we bring <laughs> should we bring up what happened? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, we... this is not our first attempt at doing an episode uh during the pandemic. We tried to do one and then finished uh, basically we watched Bad Boys. Which was, I was very excited about. It's one of my favorite movies. Wanted to show Dax. And then uh, we got all the way to the end of the movie and realized that my computer had stopped recording a half an hour in. So we have remedied that. We have a yes. new system in place. And yes. everything's going to work out fine. We, we're using Cast now. We have a few bugs to iron out still, but it, it, it works much better. And at least we are, I'm checking, we are still recording. So Creases. <laughs> You iron out creases. 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 Ironing bugs. I mean, you could iron bugs. It just... It's, well, we, we're using I, okay. a, a car-powered device to remove the bugs from our stomachs. So I think it would be really cool <laughs> if uh, this was the Merovingian's place. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that'd be a nice little thing to tie it together. Because it makes sense the Merovingian is like a weird neutral zone outside of the Matrix. See, that's something I, I, I like in Reloaded is, is you do get those kinds of like these other characters, programs and things that that raise that just raises further questions about the well, world and about. Yeah. And you know. that's that's what I love is when you start getting into that stuff, because it's like people like the Merovingian exist to serve a need like you know, a flaw in the system created this need where you've got programs that don't want to be deleted and like they need a place to go. So he's like, yeah, that's that's the the, the niche I'm going to fill and I'm going to grow wealthy because of it. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like the Internet, really, <laughs> if you look at it. Like... Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I love this moment. <laughs> A tuna fish. <laughs> This and this is what I like. The Matrix balances nicely with the like waxing philosophical. Um, but I was about in. to sell him some death sticks. <laughs> I I don't want to sell you death sticks, uh, but that is I think something that maybe the sequels lose sight of just a, a little bit because here it's thrown in kind of in right amounts, and then you have action, and then you have story going on. But I feel like Reloaded specifically kind of comes to a bit of a grinding halt every time a character is like monologuing about uh, their purpose and role in the Matrix. Which, which again, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm very proud of my watch order, so I'm going to bring it up a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love reading it. I, I feel like it's uh, watching those shorts in between watching the first and the second movie also give you like a good cushion of building mm. up that like philosophical monologuing so that by the time you get to the in the last uh by the time you get to the the second two movies you basically like you're used to this setup it's like oh no we're gonna spend a lot of time doing philosophical stuff and that's okay i've been prepped for it because i know that when the action does happen it's gonna be nuts mm-hmm <laughs> the music. And now they go from a ragtag band of techno scavengers to 1990s cyberpunks. <laughs> We're dressed for our Shadowrun campaign. <laughs> <laughs> campaign. <laughs> I mean, some of these guys would be going to Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to do a D&D esque style campaign in the Matrix. I think would be a fun a fun thing to do at some point. I I have uh oh, actually so right before all this, you know, shit popped off, I was getting ready to run a Cyberpunk uh 2020 campaign. Mhm. So, so that I, would have been very similar in yeah. in many ways. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2020, I feel like, is a it's a perfect synthesis of all the different universes of cyberpunk. So, like, you get your William Gibson, you get your Terminator, you get your, um, like, touches of the Matrix. Like, yeah, it's just it's a great blending of all the different genres of cyberpunk, Mm -hmm. you know, all the different subgenres into one uh, world that you get to, like, learn about and inhabit and read about all of the events that take place like it's it's very cool it's very well fleshed out what did she tell you questions lingering questions yeah i think you know i i I was so glad you picked this one too because uh I was just thinking like, man, it'd be nice to like kick this off with something that we, we both know really well. And, uh, this is kind of like a, a perfect, 
a, a perfect film to put me in uh, a bit of a higher spirit at the moment. Sure. Just because of how much it is about breaking beyond feeling trapped by a situation um, and trying to proactively do something about it um, when you feel like there isn't anything you can be doing, which, you know, um, it, it, I believe many can relate to <laughs> that feeling right now. Um, and uh, yeah, there is something cathartic about watching it under this circumstance. Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, that didn't, that's not a, <laughs> that's the end of that thought. <laughs> it doesn't lead anywhere else. <laughs> I like this of the, ah, yeah, like just, I like, that was a very almost like Kubrick sort of shot where it was just very centered down the hallway. Hello, Neo. She looks so comfy. It's just nothing but like <laughs> chill, flowy linens. <laughs> it's just like yeah. a random motley crew. Yeah. <laughs> the bunnies, the giant bunnies on the TV in the background. I never noticed that. <laughs> Sorry, you were about to say. No, which, like, that's that's a visual cue. He's following the rabbit still. And the line that got memed into oblivion. Yeah. But for good reason. It's a memorable line. No, it's just, like, it's such, like, a strange motley crew of uh, people. Like, you wouldn't expect these people to all be in the same room together, generally. But... It speaks to the nature of, especially like this apartment, mm -hmm. like it speaks to the nature of like just how ragtag the human resistance is against all of this and like how, I don't know, just the sheer diversity of like people all over the world are dealing with the fact that like there seems to be like weird glitches in the world and they don't know what it is. And so, like, these people have been brought together to speak to the Oracle. And where is the Oracle hiding? In, like, a filthy project apartment building somewhere. <laughs> Which even the Oracle, she's a program that serves a purpose. Uh, basically, the architect's job is to balance the equation, and her job is to unbalance it. So that, you know, basically keeping the, keeping the program constantly upgrading itself. Do they, I forget if they come up with a reason, there is a reason, right, that they sort of implemented in the second movie, because um, she died. Before. Yeah, she passed away between the second and third. Oh, between um, the second and third? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Do they have, do they have a reason for why she looks different uh, in the third movie? Basically, they explain that uh, she got caught directly, uh, basically directly influencing and was basically like she was more or less rebooted. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I 
<laughs> the Oracle is such a great character. Not too bright though. <laughs> and I, I even like the fact that like they don't try to make the newer actress look like her. Like they are different ladies. They have a very similar spirit and a very similar way of delivering their lines. Mm. But they're not even trying to make it be like, yeah, we're just going to pretend that we didn't recast. Like, no, you recast it and that's fine. Know thyself. I mean, I don't mind a Doctor Who-esque kind of situation with a character yeah. like that. Basically, that's what that is, yeah. They did something similar in Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Oh, yes, with Heath Ledger. Yeah, and I, I thought it worked in that movie. Um, where Still he, have never seen that. I hear great things, though. It's one of my favorite Gilliam films, and he, he changes... Um, like, he changes... Uh, they Basically, they lucked out because there is the imaginarium which is sort of like the matrix no it's 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 kind of just this other world that they can go into but they had filmed everything outside of the imaginarium already before heath ledger had died so he then came up with the mechanic of like okay how about people who go into the imaginarium can sort of change so each time heath ledger's character goes in he's played by one of three different actors um and it plays because he's kind of a chameleon-like character who's sort of shifting and changing how he is anyway. So it was an interesting solution to a very, um, you know, huge problem that was thrown in the way of that film. It probably wouldn't have been finished otherwise. But yeah, back to The Matrix. Uh, <laughs> Morpheus. I think they even painted this whole apartment green, too. Oh, yeah. Just kind of a nice touch. <laughs> and she's wearing green. Like, maybe, you know, saying, because she is, is it, she's purely code, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I can't say with any certainty, but uh, I know the character Seraph from mm -hmm. the later two movies, he is um, one of several programs. You see a few programs in the Merovingian, Merovingian's place that are from earlier iterations of the Matrix uh, mm -hmm. that, like, basically when they rewrote the, the program, they deleted them. And so you've got, like, vampires and ghosts and angels as just these, like, programs that, like, had nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. uh, Seraph is an angel, and he's her protector. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if the implication would then be that like the woman that greeted them at the door to bring them in, if she would also be an angel, that could be interesting. But hmm. like her, her like all white linen look, that's the thought that I got from that. See if that's, but that's interesting because then I think that part of like her whole apartment being green and like her dress being green or like what she's wearing, it just sort of plays even more to the idea that, She's not real, you know. Yeah. She's part she's part of this world. Ah, take a cookie. <laughs> oh, I want one of those. <laughs> even the phone book's sitting there. <laughs> it's just such and even the, the countertop. Sorry, I'm just like distracted by the <laughs> set the set design that they went to for that. Um and she never she never says he isn't, though, does she? 
Like she never directly says. No, she does. Does she? So what is that always kind of confused me a little bit, like what the rationale is behind why she tells him he's not when he ends up becoming it. Or is it more of a statement about like he he needed fate? uh, Well, he needed to be pushed to that absolute brink in order for him to basically break through and unlock the powers. Like, Mm. that's the thing. He had to believe that he wasn't in order to get to that point of desperation where he could finally become it. I mean, or he could just pay for the DLC, you know. (laughs) Shut (laughs) that. Deja vu. Every time I have deja vu, I'm just like, fuck, the Matrix has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, I used to have a cat um, that we initially named Deja Vu, but we didn't name him Deja Vu because of this movie. We actually named him that because he looked so much and acted so much like a cat we had had before. Um, And then I saw this movie, and I just thought it was so funny that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that there was this cat in here that that created this deja vu thing but um we ended up calling him we ended up like changing his name to dejo because so many people thought he was a girl every time we said his name is deja and i don't know why that was but eventually we just didn't even say the vu part so oh well uh, oh well <laughs> i'm sure the cat wasn't bothered yeah <laughs> uh, i miss that cat i miss dejo very much um, but, uh, anyway, felt like, <laughs> felt relevant somehow. I love that they just bring this level of hardware, like, just in case. Oh. Right. I feel Stakes. like they could have trained that kid better. Like, he could have <laughs> gone and stood in the corner and blasted them from behind as they came in. Oh, well. But yeah, I love it. Like they've even rather rather than like being able to have switch switch genders going in and out of the Matrix, they just made them like this, you know, really androgynous character, <laughs> which is like kind of splitting the difference, but also kind of you know giving representation for non-binary people. So like that's great. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, nope. and like she straight up told him that he's not the one. So like, and then as soon as he walked out, Morpheus is like, "What was said in there was for you and for you alone." So it's just like he can't even. He's like, "Wait, what?" But and like everything's popping off before he has a chance to even think about it. Where are they? There's a boy in the walls. (laughs) 
I see it's it's so tense that even we're staying quiet. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like no. they could have just stayed in there for a while. Like, and yeah, did they have to start moving? Right. I mean, I guess they figured they'd be found eventually. Who would check the walls? <laughs> Now, did he cough on purpose? But because he's just as much in danger, though, in this situation. So. Right. <laughs> Was it wise to shout that before shooting them in the walls, though? <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I just noticed that, like, you see Matrix code on his face. Oh, yeah. Before he changes. <laughs> now, was the screaming part really necessary before he did that? I mean, have you ever <laughs> smashed your way through a wall before? I imagine it takes some amount of psyching up. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny the way it's so oh yeah when I was younger I I thought it was funny too in fact I was going to make that comment but now it's just like uh, I mean it makes sense <laughs> this is a, a an aside comment um, back up a little bit from your mic because it is like peaking just a bit I'm actually pretty far away from it right now that's uh, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out later Smith. And Hugo Weaving does such a great job here. Like, as this character, it, it just one of his most iconic roles. Oh, I yeah. Think. This Elrond and V, I think, are the three I would say I associate most with him. And for me, Red Skull. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like Red Skull. he he did one movie as Red Skull, and yet it's still like such a great performance. <laughs> Technically, two, right? No, because they actually hired a a, a celebrity impersonator to play oh, wait, Red Skull really? for the yeah. Uh, Ross Ross Marquand from oh. uh, he's on The Walking Dead, but yeah, like he was just doing a Hugo Weaving impression. I wonder why they didn't get Hugo Weaving. Because Hugo Weaving didn't want to come back. Huh. Like, back. the reason why they never used Red Skull again in the rest of the Captain America movies was because they had him signed on for a three-movie deal, and, uh, like, he did a lot of press right after the movie came out about how, like, he doesn't want to do another, you know, another big, like, uh, like high-concept movie where he's going to be wearing a lot of makeup. He didn't want to do all that again. And when they asked him about the three-picture three, the three deal, he's like, yeah, but I don't think Marvel's in a place where they want to force anyone to do anything. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was basically that. He's just like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I have no interest in coming back. How funny. Well, yeah. Let's 
his decision. Him and um, Edward Norton can <laughs> can, can sit in a corner. Mm. Uh, who else? Who else wasn't didn't come back for roles in Marvel movies? Terrence Howard. Okay. But that uh, I was actually reading an article about that the other day, and apparently he was saying that that was because they kicked up Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, money so much for the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to pay Terrence Howard like a fraction of what he made for the first one. Oh. But it was with like the guarantee of the deal being extended so he'd be in more movies. And like it would go up from there. But he, I don't know, like probably just didn't really assume that the franchise is going to go as long as it did. So it's just like, imagine... Because, you know, he'd been in one movie by that point. And they're like, oh, we're going to make... It's going to be like 22 movies. They're all going to be connected. It's going to be this whole thing. And it's like, people didn't even believe that uh, The Avengers was going to work when it came out. But, yeah, it's like, I don't blame him for not necessarily believing that it was going to be this huge thing. Which, like, you know Terrence... uh, Or Don Cheadle has made some bank off these Marvel movies. Yeah. He's just well, like, yeah, you had to take that cut up front to basically reap a much bigger deal. Lesson learned. I mean, that's the hard thing in, in Hollywood, you know, like back when Star Wars was coming out, they were trying to, you know, hand out Star Wars posters and, and T-shirts you know, and nobody cared. <laughs> like nobody knew what it was going to be. Of course uh, not. And I mean, that's that's for any project in Hollywood. That's for any project at all. I mean, starting your own small business, like you know, you try to get people to join up. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what this is going to be, and then it turns into Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all turn into Microsoft eventually. We are all of us, Google. I I used to think there would be like a time when Google didn't eventually become evil. And now I just, it's, I just think it's the natural progression of like any corporation, any corporate entity eventually just because it's, it's no longer a few people. It's, it's a bunch of people trying to make a thing. So, you know, you can, you could say like Google's a bad company, but at the same time, like they just put up a Google Doodle for Brudda is the other day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like... I just, I just, I could go down this road for the entire rest of this podcast, and I feel like we owe the audience more than that. We could, we could go down this rabbit hole. Yes, you're, you're saying, yeah, yeah. Shut up, Dex. We could go. <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> It's a place where we can be more human than human. Just the like horror. And what do you like think goes through his mind when when she turns and looks at him? <laughs> you know, like, oh no. <laughs> Oh no. 
Ah, uh, switches are already so hard to come by. <laughs> should I? That's not. Should, should I cut that out? <laughs> One, you not do funny. whatever you want to do. One, not funny. Two, not in good taste. If he's dead. <laughs> that's, a, that's another thing that they expand on in the second and third is just the fact that, like, not everyone believes in the one. Like, Morpheus is kind of a religious zealot because the people who run Zion are just like, yeah, dude, just do your job. <laughs> like not everything has to be about God <laughs> <laughs> well there's certain things about um, about them as a group that uh, well oh wait oh, there's, there's a scene coming up that'll be better to bring it up um, and I do like the progression of Trinity and Neo like it it is a relationship that becomes believable um over the course of this whole trilogy really and i think that the moment where he jump starts her heart yeah um is in the reloaded right yeah um is one of the most powerful moments in the entire trilogy um and i think it's i don't know maybe that's one of the things i like the most um Maybe not the uh, make out in the elevator. Well, you know, <laughs> you know what? Who doesn't want to? You know, so maybe that <laughs> maybe that is a fine scene. <laughs> but it is funny how it's like kind of amped up just a little bit in the second one. I just noticed that in, there was an overhead shot of the city, and the people were kind of glitching on the ground. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a fun detail. <laughs> is smith is smith the one chasing them on the building at the beginning or is that a different agent i can't remember uh, yeah that was smith it is funny how like the second one onward kind of make you forget that there are other agents well, no, other agents do show up. It's just you realize that Smith has gotten so powerful by that point that the other agents just kind of pale in comparison. Right. Well, but like a lot of them end up becoming, like he takes over other agents, doesn't he? Yeah, he takes over other agents. And then by the end of the third movie, he's taken over literally every person in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> like he, and... like that's why that fight gets so insane is because he personally has so much processing power in the Matrix. Hmm. And then Neo is like, you know, a god. So it's like you're watching a digital god versus an actual god fight. <laughs> he's kind of like a virus god. In a oh, way. Yeah, he's a, he's a virus. Like he does, he does what actual viruses do in real life. Invades something and turns it into a copy of himself. Yeah. 
but doesn't self-destruct. <laughs> Display. Yeah, that is it is fun how you keep hearing about Zion in this and then it is it, it is satisfying when you finally see it. Cuz that's what I always felt like the understanding of stakes was a little less in this movie in some regard because of um because you don't know what Zion is. Yeah. So like you you have You've been told that it's a city full of humans, but you've never seen it, so it doesn't actually really mean much. Right. And I'm sure it was done out of budgetary constraint. It's like, sure. we, we can't show an entire city of people yet. We don't I mean, Zion is basically the MacGuffin. I love this moment, too. We're just being very glowing about this movie, because it's hard not to be. <laughs> it's like, it's just still so well done. It's just the three of them now, huh? Yep. Like with with Morpheus stuck in the Matrix. Just so sad and bleak. It's the all is lost moment of any of any screenplay. <laughs> I want to be the guy. Yeah. And her reason why it can't be true is because the Oracle told her she was going to fall in love with the one and she's falling in love with him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not even just like she agrees with Morpheus's zealotry, which she clearly does. But it's like, no, she has much more personal proof that he mm. has to be the one. Otherwise, like her entire like, fr like grip on reality gets shattered. All right, he's going to go on this bogus journey to save uh I mean it, it is quite an excellent adventure. <laughs> you going to stop me? I see I love that moment cuz it's almost like it's almost like she's saying that to every script that would do that. Oh yeah. Where, where they're like, no, no woman character. You can't come on this. 
<laughs> on on this mission because it bothers me so much when movies do that and like, like she why? makes all the salient points as to why that's bullshit <laughs> it's like you don't know what you're doing i do you barely know him he's my mentor and i'm the commanding officer of the ship shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> unnatural equilibrium <laughs> oh that's funny yeah i didn't think about this yeah, yeah he yeah. fucking <laughs> fucking hypocrite <laughs> Again, there's so many seeds planted in this movie. A plague. Guns. <laughs> this is where I feel like the um, late 90s-ness sort of kicks into full effect in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do we solve this problem? Lots of guns. <laughs> this is highly irregular. It's funny because, yeah, like, Smith, in in his own way, is an anomaly among agents. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't know. It's, that alone is, like, such a fun little idea. Like, no, it's not just that Neil is the anomaly. Now you are beginning to see the Matrix. <laughs> and I mean that in every way that I can mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to approach this franchise differently. And yeah, there's so many layers of shit in this movie that end up getting delivered on later on. This reality. <laughs> so I was just like, I just want to listen while he's doing these things. They're so funny. And engaging and engrossing. It's just like, again, perfect casting. Okay, how does, how did he do that with his eyes? They're just rolled back. <laughs> just rolled back. I don't know though. It's like really rolled back. I just would love to see the, like, outtakes for this. Still, the degree to which they successfully made him look like shit is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he genuinely feels like he's on, like, the final moments of his life. All right. The scene... I that feel like steel-toed boots may not be the best for this situation. <laughs> This scene that was made famous by Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> My friend Erin, um, she had never seen The Matrix. 
And one of her favorite games on the N64 was Conker's Bad Fur Day. And so she had played through that whole game and then she played through the whole sequence that was modeled after this scene. And she thought that it was original to that game. That's hilarious. <laughs> and she, so she's like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> it was just, I just always loved knowing I, that that was the case. <laughs> I'm just amused by the fact that they brought so many guns so that they don't have to stop to reload them. <laughs> So this is this is the one scene I'd like to bring up because the the ambivalence I feel about this um, is that it is cool as hell, right? Like undeniably, they're in trench coats, wearing sunglasses, shooting endless guns, that like walking on walls. You yeah. you can't you can't deny that this is an awesome scene. But the problem that I have with this in the context of the matrix is that um they are terrorists they are people who have no uh, seemingly have no qualms about murdering because these aren't programs they're killing these are well, guards who are well, just yes people, and right? that it's it's the argument of uh like terrorist versus freedom fighter yes and like they're taking these guys out purely because they work for the side that's trying to stop them from freeing the world. And as Morpheus pointed out earlier, is like anyone who's still connected to the Matrix is possibly going to turn into an agent. Like, right. so like, they're, they're threats. And it's like, they we have threats. something that we have to do. It's the greater good. And these people are better off dead than being, you know, slaves to the machines. But, well, see, and that's where the argument is brought up is like, um, not, I, not for them. I'm sure they would love to have at least stayed alive even within the matrix. So it's just the thing that I think the problem is that it doesn't, it doesn't have a beat of mourning or show any kind of like acknowledgement that this is a gruesome thing that they are doing and it paints it as being cool rather than a necessary evil like that yeah, we actually have to do this because any one of them could kill us. Um, and that always kind of irks me a little bit, is that it it doesn't really seem to um, dwell on it in a way that acknowledges it. Um, I like the but, way she slides up to go pick up the bag. That was a cool yeah. shot. <laughs> and that's always such a great shot with the final piece of the yeah. panel falling off. But what I will say is that in Reloaded, for me, it addresses it a little bit because you'll notice that from then onward, even in the opening scene, Trinity makes an effort to like knock people out. They're not, they're trying to not kill anyone. And um, I don't know, it just, for me, it, it makes it easier to side with them knowing that there is the effort being made to not go full-blown terrorist. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like um, if you ever read The Walking Dead, like mm -hmm. which I much vastly prefer the comic to the the show, but mm -hmm. um, in in the comic there's uh, when you meet the governor, like you know that he does awful, terrible things, but they're always like off screen, so to speak, and when the character of Michonne, like, he does awful, awful, awful things to Michonne, but it all happens off screen. 
And when she gets her revenge, it's mm -hmm. all on screen. Like, you see every last thing that she does to him to get her revenge. And uh, Kirkman said he did that because, like, he wanted to play with the idea. It's like, yeah, you have to watch them do these terrible things. And mm -hmm. then you have to basically decide, like, yeah, I still side with them. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the bad guys, the bad guys being bad guys isn't, it's not up for debate. It's not the argument, but it's just like, what lengths are the good guys willing to go to? Here it is. The shot Still that changed. Such, it's just such a good shot. Changed action movies for a f two decades. <laughs> and a lot of video games. Well, it's fun because is that the second or third time you see the bullet time trick? Uh, I want to say second. The bullet is in the front of his head, not in the side of his head. It always bothered me. <laughs> like when the when the guard falls down, the you see the bullet hole is in his temple. Okay, but so she, but she I shot him in the side. That. Oh, because the agent took over him, and so the original position of his head was different. Yep. Yeah, I, I maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's what I have to accept it being. But it, I always, when I was younger, I always thought like that that. It seemed almost like a continuity error, <laughs> but it is true. You could you could say that that's what it is. I just did. <laughs> All right, we need you to bat your eyes really quickly for this shot. <laughs> How many suits do you think they ruined? Also, how do they not hit Morpheus while doing this? I guess they're just aiming up, but... He was definitely doing a circular motion with it. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little reckless. But I guess they're trying to say that, like, he... I guess because he's able to do the bullet time thing, he's also able to see the world clearly and slowly enough to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. This actually makes me think a lot of the... Uh, there's a show called Travelers on Netflix mm -hmm. that's very interesting... And it's about uh, people from the future jumping into people's bodies, hmm. and it has that very, like, very much that, like, like, because you have to imagine that when an agent takes somebody over, and then jumps to another body, like that mm -hmm. person, if they don't, if they're not dead, has to be like, how the fuck did I get here? That would be a very strange sensation. <laughs>
<laughs> felt like they didn't have as many cameras at the end there. <laughs> They're just like, I ah, just, just space out a few more. <laughs> Jesus. It's a real helicopter shot. <laughs> oh, that's LA. <laughs> I thought it was Australia. Uh, part of this is Australia, part of it's in L.A. I think this is Australia. There's a shot where for a brief moment you could see the uh, the L.A. Public Library. That's funny. Probably for, like, pickups. Ow. <laughs> I always thought this was this shot was cool. Yeah. I could say that. I feel like I've said that so many times, but it's true. Like this whole movie is just filled with cool shots. The cool shot effect, if Which you will. Which is like, it's so funny to me because, you know, in the times that I've made short films, I've had ideas for like really cool shots and then... You know, the argument you always hear is like, well, you don't want shots to draw attention to themselves because they pull people out of the movie. I'm like, I don't know if they do. <laughs> I think, like, sometimes, yes, that's the case. But cool shots are memorable. Cool shots where people go back to. I feel like that mentality has led music scores to be less interesting across the board in recent yeah. times. I think that we... The idea like, of not having it draw attention to itself? Exactly. I think that, like... The antithesis of that would be the opening to Star Wars, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's like this great danger of homogenization in trying to turn everything into the most like palatable version of itself. It's just like not everything needs to taste the same. Words to live by. And. So, so Keanu Reeves' face there was very like, huh? <laughs> he just felt very well. Like... He he just got mind fucked. Give him a break. <laughs> I love whenever Hugo Weaving makes his mouth wide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when he went, like, there's <laughs> just something about the way he bares his teeth is very funny. So cool. Probably very, like, not very simple, but kind of, like, if you do a clean plate and then you do him doing that, yeah, probably, yeah, like, yeah. a very simple technique for how they could set that up. 
Yeah, I, I, I could probably shoot that shot. <laughs> I mean, like, no, it's the kind of thing that, like, if you take an afternoon, you can probably figure it out. Yeah, a lot of, lot of keyframes in After Effects. <laughs> you could do something similar. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the things that I feel is kind of a... Like, if you if you want to make movies and, like, you know, on a low budget, a lot of it is, like, take complicated sequences, break it into the individual shots, and go, all right, how do I create just that shot? And you, you realize that, like, a lot of, like, really complex, expensive-looking sequences are just, like, individual shots that you could pull off just in ways that you're not thinking of. There's just so much tension in that transition alone of, of like her looking almost getting shot, you know, just had enough time to see that it <laughs> Morpheus so much. Can you believe we're already, we're already this close to the end. Such a good movie. There's another 10 minutes and then 10 minutes of credits. <laughs> Another great, um, another great Lawrence Fishburne movie of this era would be uh, Hoodlum. I would strongly recommend hmm. that. I've never seen it. It's uh, he plays Bumpy Johnson, who was like a black mafioso back in the day. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, which I, let me double check this. I believe that Bumpy Johnson was. Uh, Frank Lewis's. Hold on, let me check this. Mr. Anderson. Bam. Da, 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 yeah, okay. So, uh, Frank Lucas, the Denzel mm -hmm. Washington character from American Gangster, mm -hmm. his real life, uh, like, mentor was Bumpy Johnson. So, like, you could really watch Hoodlum and uh, American Gangster back to back if you felt so inclined. Just if you're like, let me spend a day familiarizing myself with drama based on black gangsters. Okay. I think that'd be a very fun double feature. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> it always <laughs> It's just such a cheekiness in that little that little it's, hand flip. It's just funny because like I've been watching the Ip Man movies recently, mm -hmm. and so like a lot of these moves they're doing are just like yeah they're Wing Chun but they're very slow Wing Chun in the grand scheme. Because <laughs> like you you watch uh, you watch Donnie uh, Donnie Yen do it in Ip Man, and it's just like it's so fucking fast. Boosh. Yeah, boy.
Boom. <laughs> my dad yeah, came he... into this movie late, like me and my I was showing it to my mom, and he mm-hmm. came in around this part, and he's like, he's like, how is it they're breaking walls and they're not hurting themselves? Like, <laughs> you, you need to have seen the rest of the movie, Dad. He's like, I don't think I want to see the rest of this movie. Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you really do start feeling it at this point where they're like really taking battle damage from from doing all these insane stunts. Neo Skywalker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but then, you know, the obvious fake out because well you could actually hear the sound effect of like the agent leaving that that body right as the train hit. Oh, really? Yeah. But just yeah, the obviousness of like oh right. But this is what I mean. Like you know, he just killed a homeless man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Something I would say is similar in a way is um, just recent on my mind because the remake came out, but Final Fantasy VII has a similar kind of slant. And that's a, I mean, that's more of a magical world, but it has a lot of steampunk qualities and technology and things. And Cyberpunk? You, cyberpunk, yes, yeah, to a degree. And you, you play as uh, basically a member of a terrorist group. You're eco-terrorists, essentially. You're trying to take down the company Shinra that is essentially harvesting the lifeblood of the planet um, to a point that they're going to eventually kill it if nothing is done about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's that same kind of thing where it it does bring up that thought in your mind of like, Jesus is what I'm doing okay because we are we just, you know, cause the deaths of quite a few people in pursuit of this goal and it's it's not the first thing you think of doing for your main characters <laughs> it's a hard thing to to make people empathetic towards sometimes i mean but there there's respect in not just taking on that challenge but also pulling it off right because you absolutely care about all these characters by the end of this movie by the halfway of this movie. Uh, one of my favorite changes here. Whew, the knife. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like you, just the sound effect and then the knife. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, so many, it is, I always forget, like, this, this movie does feel almost like it has multiple climaxes at the end, because even just getting Morpheus could have been the big moment, but it's, it's not just that, you know, it, it, it's also then you have, like, this multi-strand battle between Neo and, and, uh, Smith that just is at further escalated by this idea that, like, now Neo's in the position that Morpheus was in, where he's stuck in the Matrix, 
and now he's the one who might die. So there still is that feeling of like, well, shoot, did did Neo give his life? To, um, uh, I like that. Yes, I agree with you. But I also had a second, th- uh, separate thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. But he's back at the same hotel that uh, Trinity was in earlier mm-hmm. because they have certain hard lines into the Matrix that they can use. And I love the fact that, like, they already know where this hard line is because they've been using it before. Right. And it is set up at the right. beginning. That's cool. Like, it's not like you can just connect to any phone. Obviously, he has to run to a hard line. But I love the fact that, like, they have certain ones that they use. Like, they know where it is because, like, oh, yeah, we used this one, like, last week. And this always felt intense because the Sentinels have felt very separate from the space of the humans um, up to this point. So even them just getting into the ship is a very deeply uncomfortable thing. The ringing phone. Also, yeah, until the Sentinels get into the ship, like you don't really have a sense of scale for them. That's true, yeah. You don't know how big they are. Stop it. Could you imagine what's happening inside Morpheus's head right now? Yeah. <laughs> Speak up, Trinity. No, I'm just... <laughs> it's just funny because. In order to do the podcast, we are uh, we have the volume slightly lowered. So the fact you that lowered she's it? with I lowered it a little bit. <laughs> well, because I, I wanted to hear you. Yeah. I love you. Oh my god. And with true love's kiss. <laughs> it is a very fairy tale quality. Like this is a sleeping man. Man, sparks are flying. True love conquers all, y'all. Now get up. <laughs> I love no time to be amazed by the wonder of what just happened. <laughs> get the fuck up, Neo. <laughs> Is that one of the greatest no's in the yeah. history of cinema? It's, it's so simple. It's so like, no. No, no, mm-mm, no. Like, unironically, just a, a great use of one word. Yeah. <laughs> it and this is this is what made it made us so hyped for Reloaded. Was the promise of more of this? Yeah, knowing that he was going to be this powerful, 
And then, like, when you see Reloaded and he's, like, insanely powerful, people are like, no, Neo can do too much. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like you just need to take a Superman angle. That's all. Like, he has the strength and power, but throw a few weaknesses in there somewhere. Sure. His weakness is Trinity. Yeah. Because a character can be powerful, but, like, it doesn't make the people they love all invincible. That's why so many superheroes have secret identities. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I again, I could wish I wish I could watch this movie without knowing what's going to happen because that moment is, would just be such a like, like what? <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and now we are using the warp tool to the best of our ability. <laughs> the piece of his face that comes flying directly towards the camera. And this, that this is actually like one of my favorite details in the yep. entire thing yep. is the way the walls yep. are just like bending <sighs> and unbending. <laughs> like, Oh, nope. Like, well, it, because it's, it's a very literal interpretation of the fact that like literally the entire program is warping around him. <laughs> like he's so beyond this shit at this point. I still just adore the fact that two agents bail at that point. We're like, no, uh, uh, I'm sorry, no. <sighs> so good. God, this ending gives me chills. <laughs> and I like the book ending here. Where we kind of go back just, to a computer on, screen. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just have words to say. <laughs> now did he freeze time while that was happening because the whole fact that like the matrix pauses and just goes like system failure no 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 that wasn't the matrix pausing that was them trying to trace him like oh, okay. he's untraceable and I love like yeah he he's gonna show them something that he doesn't want them to see like he's gonna show like a man flying that's completely, like, just imagine the people, like, the everyday people in this world are about to see a man fly. What the implications that has. Especially what the implications that has if you're the ones trying to keep control of the humans. <laughs> and now we have Rage Against the Machines. Yeah. The song Wake Up, which is a perfect, perfect fucking song for this. 
Do you think that they chose them simply because of the band name? No. I think that I think that if you if you were someone who actually listened to and enjoyed Rage Against the Machine, like they are just across the board a perfect band to be involved in this. No, I know. I just think it's funny that that you couldn't have a more appropriate band name. Oh, to... yeah, not disagreeing with that. But... <laughs> For this movie. Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Lawrence Fishburne. Now, see, I always wondered, this is an aside, but um, you know how people's names are kind of linked to supposedly what some member of our family might have done in the past? Um, I want to know who or what a fish burner actually was. <laughs> I want to know how that started as a family name and um, what its greater significance was in our human history. Because I just, I have several questions. Were you, were, were you like, were you a specific, specific type of kind of sushi chef that just you kept screwing up? Anyway, this bit is done. But uh, <laughs> thank you. I, for... I wasn't interrupting you because like while I am listening to you, this is such a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. Uh, well, this was lovely. Yeah. I, I'm glad we I'm glad we got to sit here and watch the Matrix. I know. Um, I'm glad well, I'm glad we're finally getting to like get back to this. Um yeah, well it's funny cuz I definitely see myself having more time to do it <laughs> for obvious reasons. But um oh, the Flash is going to start playing <laughs> next. Oh, you no, got go the back. Flash? I got an ad for the Patriot Act. <laughs> I clicked back into it. Yeah, um, me too. The uh, so yes, we are watching this through the Netflix party, um, ex- uh, extension. Yeah, it's a Chrome, Chrome extension. Which uh, you know, this this isn't an advertisement for them or whatever, but it is a. Uh, I don't believe it's. Yeah, it's not an actual Netflix uh, creation. The guys who made it have a Patreon, so. I would recommend like maybe throw them a little bit of cash because it's it's a really good way to kind of get through this uh, pandemic situation. Uh, me and other friends of mine, we have a every Tuesday night we do a movie club using this and have like a Zoom call for the audio. Nice. And I'd like to note that uh, Adam's name in the chat is Adventure with an exclamation mark, and mine is the Daxtrix. <laughs> Which doesn't really work, but it's what I wrote. Well, um, one one thing I'm actually interested in doing, and we can see if there's like a uh, like a fan appreciation for you know the podcast and whatnot. But I would love to be able to do a Netflix party like this with fans, and you know be able to have the chat going on the side of the movie, and we can you know discuss with people who aren't you and me. Talk about the movie in the chat. I think that'd be a lot of fun if we can organize it. That'd be fun. We, I, 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 I did one. Open to it. Uh, I did one like at the very beginning of all this, but I don't think I. Uh, I did it for the Red Sea Diving Resort, mm-hmm. which is a very cool little spy movie with Chris Evans. But um, yeah, it, I didn't. I don't think I really popular. Uh, like, got the word out enough, but yeah. This is the most 1999 soundtrack. 
um, well, and I guess a few random denouement thoughts. Um, was this one of the most successful rated R films of all time? Probably. Because I think I'm only going to check out what the budget and um, box office actually was. Wow. Um, so budget was $63 million, apparently. And it says box office was four hundred and sixty-five point three million. Jesus, um, I, and I'm curious as to um, how much more money it's made since those days. Oh, that's fun. I just recognized uh, Yannick Sers was a associate visual effects supervisor on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went on to be the visual effects supervisor for the first Avengers movie. So. Wow. It's just just nice to see like the arc of someone's career. That's cool. Um, this is funny. There's another thing I just looked and reloaded had a budget uh over double what this movie was. It, it was it says somewhere between one twenty seven to hundred fifty million. Um but then the box office was like seven hundred and forty one point eight million. <laughs> um but then it's in, it's funny because revolutions um, had a similar budget of one ten million to one fifty million, but the box office was only four hundred and twenty seven point three. So the the box office of Revolutions was less than that of the first Matrix movie. That doesn't surprise me. That that second one turned a lot of people off. Um, yeah. Well, kind of unfortunate. It um, is unfortunate because I think as a whole it's still such an interesting trilogy and piece of media and um do we it, how much do we know about oh sorry go ahead well I was just going to say I strongly strongly recommend revisiting this whole franchise if you get the chance I mean we're all you know drowning in free time right now so <laughs> I strongly recommend revisiting this franchise and checking please check out my watch order and uh, let us know what you think. Let me know what you think. I wonder if that what is the Matrix link at the end there still works. <laughs> um, that it just showed in the credits. The uh, So is it is it confirmed that um, there is like another Matrix movie coming, right? Yes, yes. There is a fourth one. The plot is completely under wraps. I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, let's let's find out. It's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Did, it's gonna be fun. But have they? Did Keanu Reeves say they were going to be in the movie at all? Or oh yeah, like they've gotten uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, I believe Hugo Weaving, Fishburne. Uh, I don't remember if Lawrence Fishburne's in it or not. But it's it's just one of those things. It's like all these characters. It's like well, she's dead, and he's dead, and he's dead. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's see where this goes. But I mean, like, I'm, the Wachowskis, I know that whatever they make, it's going to be mind-fucky, and it's going to take at least two watches before you actually get what the hell's going on. So, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do this. Yeah, it'll be curious. Um, a, a, a fun trip down the rabbit hole. No, I'll stop. Um, well, any, any closing thoughts on The Matrix? Are we good? Uh... I think I'm think I'm good. Think I'm good. Yeah. Just like again, please check out that watch order and let me know what you think, which brings us to housekeeping, I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I have no links memorized at this moment. <laughs> well, if you want to talk to uh, Dax or I, you can find us on our Facebook page, Cinepraisal. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter as at, at Cinepraisal. At Cinepraisal. Yeah. Cinepraisal um, on all of them. And then if you want to talk directly to me, like my Instagram and Twitter are at Dungeons and Daleks, and feel free to check out my other work, which is on my website uh, of Distant Lands. Dax. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, just follow me at Dax Schaefer on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, that's it. I don't got anything to promote at the moment. Um, I'll have I'll have some things in the near future, but uh, it's not this day. Um, well, cool. Did Glengarry Glenn Ross teach you nothing? <laughs> um but yeah stick around and um you know maybe we'll do the rest of these m- m- matrices <laughs> um is that the correct pluralization i want to uh, say yes <laughs> we'll do the matrices at some point uh perhaps and and in the meantime stay safe and um one two three adam Key. Oh, yes, yeah. that one. Sorry, and I was one. like, wash your hands. <laughs> and one, two, three. Keep, Keep watching, watching movies. movies. <laughs> I was like, how do I give a signal to let him know? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>